All right, a time or two ago when I spoke on a Sunday morning, I said that our journey with the Lord was more like a walk and less like climbing a ladder. Did anybody happen to remember that concept? All right, and yet a ladder is how the enemy of our soul wants us to see our journey with the Lord. Basically, you do things God's way, you climb, you climb, you climb, maybe you get to climb number, maybe the 19th step, but eventually you mess up. Eventually you fall, and when you do, you fall all the way to the bottom. That was the concept. That's how the enemy wants us to think. If you're still determined, you uh, decide, hey, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna brush myself off, and then you start all over again from the first step. I don't think the Bible really supports that view so much. I think the Bible would describe our faith, our journey with God more like a walk. I got a few scriptures here just wanted to remind you guys of. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Proverbs 3 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Again, talking about a path. Deuteronomy 5 says, You shall walk in all the ways that the Lord has commanded you. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Ephesians 2, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand for us that we should walk in them. Uh, Genesis 6, Noah walked with God. Micah says, um, what does the Lord require to you, of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? A couple more, Zechariah 3, if you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts. And again, just one more, and there's lots more. Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more. He just walked on up into heaven with God. He was one of the few examples of, of that in the Bible. We'll talk about another example a little bit later. Okay, so what's the point? The big point and the big benefit of walking with God rather than climbing to God shows up when we fall. It shows up when we fail and we sin uh, when we fall on our walk, maybe it's the 19th mile marker, we do scrape our knee. Sometimes we lose all the momentum, sometimes we lose some momentum, but, but then we get up, we brush ourselves off, and we continue on the path from the 19th mile marker, not from, not, not from the start, not from the first mile marker. That's the difference in a walk and a ladder. Now this picture, I saw this on Pinterest earlier this week, now, I want you to know, I only look at Pinterest for recipes and fashion. That's, that's all I do. I'm actually embarrassed about that. But let's show this picture. It's a, it's a hurdler. I saw that. Did it already come up? Okay. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't laugh out loud often, but I laughed out loud on this one. I was like, that is great. Reminds me of Stephen Evans' track stories from back in the day. Did you see that, Stephen? I worked you in again every week. <laughs> Uh, it's really nice that the Mexican government declared a day of lowly for you guys, by the way. It's awesome. Enjoy that. All right, now I told you, I showed you this illustration, told you about this illustration a couple of summer, sermons ago, and after I did, a person that I greatly respect and that a person who regularly speaks into my life told me that the illustration was good, but he told me that, they, that while the illustration was true, it doesn't always apply in the same way to leaders. He reminded me that when leaders fall, they are definitely allowed the same grace from the Lord as everybody else, but they don't always get to start back where they fell. This in regards to their leadership position, not their standing with God. 
Um, in other words, sin can disqualify a person from the privilege of leadership for a period of time and sometimes even indefinitely. Moses is a good example of that whenever uh, he's not allowed to go into the promised land. And he has to turn over his, his leadership to Joshua. So I tell you all this this morning simply to draw your attention to the word walk. Last time I think we talked about locations. This time we talk about walk, but it'll also have some locations in it. I guess that's where my mind's going. As we walk with God and as we walk with others, we learn new things. Stuff happens when you're on a walk. Today's message is titled, Oh, the Things That Can Happen on a Walk. I know it's kind of a long title, so Cliff, when you're putting that in the app later, if it's too long, you'll go to the app or the website and it'll just say Josh's message and the date. If it does that, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll pick a shorter message title. All right, so oh, the things that can happen on a walk. Uh, so speaking of walks, did you hear about the Northern California couple last month? What happened to them on their walk? Did you hear about that? All right, there's this couple. They have some property up in Northern California. They go on the same walk just about every day. Well, one day the woman looks under a tree as they're just passing by, and she says, what's that? She goes over there, and there's a little piece of metal protruding from the earth, and she kind of kicks at it a little bit, and she notices there's actually a little bit of something more of substance under there, so then she, she digs around a bit, and she unearths a coffee can, and inside the coffee can were gold coins from the 1800s. Did you guys hear about this? Valued at $10 million today, <laughs> just on their walk. Six cans, in fact, I got a picture of that the too. It's just it's this, this six cans of, and then inside it, they were almost all in mint condition, and uh, they, I don't know if they decided what they're gonna do with it or not, but wow, I mean, that would change your situation in a hurry. <laughs> oh, the things that can happen on a walk. I want to share with you about a few more walks before I go into the text today, and if you want to turn to it now, the text will be 2 Kings chapter 2. All right, here's a story of a significant walk in my life. It happened in 1998 at Sagu's campus in Waxahachie, Texas. It seemed at the time to be a routine walk from the library to the cafeteria, but as it turned out, it resulted in me asking Amber out on a date, which was, that was miraculous, to be honest with you. I mean, I was not the most bold of... 18-year-olds, but I did. So I asked her out on a date, dot, 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 we fell in love. Dot, 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 we got married. Dot, 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 we bought two dog children. <laughs> dot, 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 we eventually added four additional people children. And recently, we've donated our dog children to Amber's parents. <laughs> Thank you, Lance and Debbie. <laughs> dot, 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 and we're living happily after, ever after. All this because of a walk. Oh, the things that can happen on a walk. I'll share with you another personal walk of mine. About six months ago, I visited Dallas Theological Seminary to explore the idea of going back to school. Now, while on the tour, uh, we got, and it was a walking tour, by the way, no segues or scooters, but we're on the tour, and we get to the part of the tour which I really wasn't looking forward to, it was the part where we looked at the dormitories. Now, I had no interest in a dormitory. I'm with a bunch of like 18 and 19-year-olds and a few that are my age, but mostly 18 and 19, and I'm just not interested. And I was like, an hour and a half, seriously? Well, right before we went to the dorm, another guy comes up and says, hey, if you want to go to the dorms, follow Joe, but if you want to go see like family housing, 
follow Mike. So I'm like, well, at least that's a little bit more relevant to me, so I'll go with there. Anyway, as we walk up this high-rise thing at Dallas Theological Seminary, I notice that there's lots of families our size and our age, and they're just living in these apartments. They're on campus, and I was like, that's weird. Like, I never even once even thought of the concept of if I started school, we would move on campus. It was just such a weird idea. So I go home, and I tell my wife, and she's like, that's interesting. So we just kind of think about it and pray about it for several months. And lo and behold, last month, Amber and I move on campus. Now, we're not going to Dallas Theological, but we move on campus. We're living in an apartment, and we're loving it. And I'm just thinking back, and it's like, none of that would have happened if it wasn't for going on that walk. Oh, the things that can happen on a walk. One more walk to tell you about before we get to the scripture. It's said that Abraham Lincoln went on a walk one day and passed a pig stuck in the mud. It's actually a swamp. He heard its cries and whining, and while he wanted to help, he noticed that just as the pig was newly surrounded in mud, old Abe was newly surrounded in a brand new outfit, one that cost him a pretty penny, one that I doubt had his face on it quite yet. After some thought, he decided to walk on and leave the pig. Another mile down the road, however, he was not able to get rid of the idea of that poor pig struggling in the swamp. So he turned around and walked back. When he got there, he lowered some boards into the mud, and he went in after it. Eventually, he got the pig out, but in the process, he ruined his brand new clothes. All in all, he felt good about his decision to help and then continued on with his walk. Since it was a long walk, and since he had not yet reached his destination, Mr. Lincoln began to examine his motives for rescuing the pig. And I want to read them to you. This is out of a book by Josiah Gilbert Holland called The Life of Abraham Lincoln. He says this, At the first thought, it seemed to me to be pure benevolence, in other words, kindness and charity. But at length, he came to the conclusion that it was selfishness that he rescued the pig. For, the certain, for he certainly went to the pig's relief in order, as he said to the friend to whom he was relating the incident, to take the pain out of his own mind. He rescued the pig. Yes, that was beneficial to the pig, and it was for the pig's sake, but also so that he wouldn't have to be bothered by the nagging, thoughts of letting that pig suffer. Abe admitted that it was selfishness that spurred on his charity, which I thought was a strange thought. Selfishness spurred on his charity. The great early church leader Augustine called these types of things splendid sins or splendid vices. He explained it by saying this, works not rooted in God are splendid sins. Works not rooted in God are splendid sins. We've all likely done good things with wrong motives. I'm not going to speak further on that today, but oh, the things that you can learn on a walk. I imagine you could all share stories of eventful things that have happened on your own walks. I don't want to hear them. <laughs> today, anyway. <laughs> but maybe later. I like that. <clears throat> Let's now look at 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 15. All right, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Now, these locations matter again this week. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know that, Elisha said. Be quiet. 
Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And then he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord God is going to take your master from you today? He said, yes, I do. Don't talk about it. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken away from you? You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I am taken away from you, it will be yours. Obviously, I left the sentence out there. Elisha said, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. So Elijah says, if you see me when I'm taken away, it'll be yours. Otherwise, it will not be yours. Now, I'm not even speaking on that today, hardly. I thought that was pretty impressive. Second Kings chapter 2, not even talking about the double portion. But I'm not. It's not where the Lord's going today. As they were walking along and talking together, walking along and talking together, Suddenly, a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho, who were watching, said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. I want to mention a few things that uh, did you get to thinking this morning out of this passage. First of all, Elijah and Elisha are on a walk. And every time they reach their destination, Elijah tests to see if he'll stay, to see if Elisha will stay. Now, I don't think Elijah was necessarily trying to get rid of Elisha. I think he was simply testing his resolve. How serious are you about being with me? Would he stop and settle for good, or would he continue to follow his master for the best? In this case, the chance to see Elijah taken up into heaven and the chance to receive a double portion, that's best. Good was stopping at all these locations, which which were pretty cool places. Each of the four places they stopped at were special places to the Jews where they had fond memories of God doing something awesome in those places. I want to review those four places with you. So Gilgal in verse 1 was a place of beginnings. If you're taking notes, place of beginnings, Gilgal. After 40 years of wandering in the desert, the Israelites finally entered the promised land and Gilgal was their first stop. All the men were circumcised there, which was a sign of their obedience and covenant with God. This is the place where they celebrated the Passover for the first time in the Promised Land. This is a special place. Gilgal is the place where the manna stopped. They ate from the land for the first time in 40 years at Gilgal. This is like, this is an awesome place. This is like you take your cruise, you take your vacation, you're like, well now we're in Athens. Whoa, I could stay here for weeks. Well. Elisha might have, could have stayed there forever. 
I want to encourage you today, if you're at a place of beginnings, I mean you're a new Christian, praise the Lord, but don't settle down there. Don't stop walking. Keep going. Salvation is a great starting line, but it's not a finish line. It's not where you're meant to finish. Next, in verse 2, they walk onward to Bethel. Now, Bethel was a place of dreams. In Genesis 28, Jacob met God there, and he dreamed of angels ascending and descending on a stairway between heaven and earth. I want to encourage you today that if you're at a place of dreams, I mean, you've got ideas and dreams of ways to serve God better, ways to serve people better. Fantastic. Hallelujah. Don't settle down there, though. Don't stop walking. Keep going. Dreams plus activity, dreams plus action will get you to that reality. The dreams themselves are not a great place to start. To stop. So in verse 4, Elijah and Elisha walk on to their next stop, and that stop is Jericho. Now, Jericho was a place of past victory. It was at Jericho that the Israelites had its first military victory in the promised land. Do you remember that one? They pull into Jericho, they march around it for seven days, they blow their trumpets, they obey God and all the instructions of what to do, and boom, an amazing victory. I want to encourage you today that if you're at a place of past victories, I mean, you've got good old days syndrome. I mean, I have good old days syndrome. But the older you get... We get more and more susceptible to good old day syndrome. If you're tempted to settle down and just relive God's great exploits instead of moving forward with God, I would say first, hallelujah, praise God for all that he's done. But then I would say, don't settle down. Don't stop walking. Keep going. God wants you to do new things. After all, he is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Finally, in verse 6, they walk on to the Jordan. Now, the Jordan was a place of separation. The river separated the promised land from the desert, and in this case, since they were walking from Jericho, which is very clearly in the promised land, remember that was their first victory when they got in the promised land? Since they were, they were traveling, they were walking from Jericho, and then they crossed the Jordan, that means that they crossed the Jordan to leave the promised land. They were leaving Canaan, okay? As I read through this this week, I thought of the times when God asks us to move out of what is safe, and into the wilderness, into the unknown. Surely he's asked many of you to do things like that. In this passage, Elisha, Elijah took his cloak when he approached the Jordan River and rolled it up and struck the water. God miraculously divided the water and the two of them walked through to the other side. You know what happens next, right? As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared separated the two, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. I want to encourage you today that if you're at a place of separation, I mean God is asking you to do difficult things or take the next step of faith. Anybody in a spot like that? Be honest. I want want this to ring true. Good. If he's asking you to take that next step, and yet you're tempted to stay on the safe side of the Jordan, I say to you, I say to us, don't settle down. Keep walking. Keep going. God wants to use you. God wants to use us to do new things. Again, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So as Elijah went from place to place on his walk with Elisha, 
Can you see how Elisha could have settled down at any of these four places? These were, these were awesome places. These had meaning. These were special. He could have stopped at any of them. Yet if he had have stopped, he would have missed out on the double portion that was coming, and he would have missed out on the opportunity to see the miracle that was Elijah going up into heaven. And then we go back to Enoch. That's, there's only a couple of examples of this happening to common man. This is, this is amazing. He would have missed all that. We see this also in Genesis 11:31. Abraham is on his way to Canaan, which is the promised land. He's on his way to the promised land, and this little verse has always struck out to me. It says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, and the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. That sounds great. They're setting out to go to Canaan, go to the promised land. Woo! But when they came to Haran, they settled there. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Bethesda, there are so many opportunities to settle for less. We have a pastor who is constantly asking us to reach, constantly asking us to stretch, constantly asking us to invest. And I'm telling you, even when we get a victory, we do it, we have the tendency again to settle and not cross over to the next one. In fact, Satan, has, if he has not been able to keep you from following God, his next best tactic is to limit your impact for God by tempting you to settle for less, sometimes to settle for even for good things instead of the best things that God has to offer. It's clear God is calling his people to keep walking with him and keep walking after him. And so I want to give you one final thought. After Elijah, Elijah disappeared into heaven, Elisha is left wondering. This is kind of where we are sometimes. He's wondering if he has the double portion of God that he requested. He didn't know at first. Essentially, Elisha is left wondering, is God with me? in this or not. What's so impressive about Elisha in this story is that he immediately springs into action in verses 13 and 14. I'll read those again to you. It says, Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. You know what's so cool? Is that Elisha didn't ask, where is the great man of God? That's what people tend to ask. Especially when a Christian leader dies or retires or something. Where's the great man of God? Who's gonna do it now? How's it gonna get done? In fact, if you read on the story, there's the 50 prophets that are watching from afar, uh, they insisted on going out and searching for Elijah. So they spent three days doing that, thinking that God may have put him in a valley or on a mountaintop. Elisha thought that was a silly question to be asking. He didn't want to know where is the great man of God. Instead, he wanted to know where is the God of the great man. And you know where he was? He was with Elisha. But Elisha didn't know that until at the risk of public embarrassment, he picked up his master's cloak, rolled it up, and with 50 prophets watching on from a distance, he reared back and he struck the Jordan River. Can you imagine the embarrassment if he would have struck it and nothing would have happened? 
Can you, I mean, I, you know that you had to be thinking those things. We've all been challenged to step out and to do things. And our fear is, what are those 50 prophets going to say? How ridiculous am I going to be if I'm slapping water? They're going to say, what a nut. Elisha thinks he's Elijah. Good grief. Does he not notice the difference in the spelling of the names? I mean, it's clearly not Elijah. <laughs> Elisha struck the water just like the previous man of God did, and it divided, just like it did for the previous man of God. A new spirit-filled ministry had begun. Oh, the things that you can learn on a walk. Pastor Dan, I'm reminded of all sorts of people who have stepped out in faith like that. I'm reminded of Stephen. Sorry, I keep pulling on you, man, but you're one of my mentors. You're one of the guys I look to. I'm reminded of Stephen whenever you first came back from working with Reinhard Bonnke. And I remember roughly you saying, Reinhard told me to rent out a stadium in some place. Didn't tell you where to go. Just said rent out a place. And then he said, advertise for miracles and then do it. And Stephen picked up the cloak of Reinhard Bonnke, or he clicked up, he picked it up, and basically, where was the first place? Was it Tella, or was it, was it Tella? Was that the Chiquita banana plant, or was that the second? Okay. <laughs> so he, he, he gets a hold of the, the abandoned Chiquita banana plant, and he rolls up his cloak, and he walks up to that Honduran city, and he strikes it just like the Jordan River. And people were healed. People were saved. Security guards came to know the Lord. I mean, all these awesome stories. Stephen is like the rest of us. In the back of his mind was the thought, what if nothing happens? <laughs> I'm just going to spend like twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 to rent out a Chiquita banana plant. And nothing's going to happen. I'm going to embarrass the Lord. <laughs> and I think I've heard Stephen say this before. The Lord will take care of his own reputation. He will. <laughs> just. I want to encourage us to allow ourselves the, uh, to step out. And as God calls us to do things, to do it. To roll up the cloak, to slap the Jordan. Yes, it might be embarrassing. Yes, it might be it's a total risk. Yes, it might not happen. But God, I think God's asked us to do it. And so I'm going to roll it up and I'm going to do it. You only live once. I don't want to live 50 more years in regret and wonder what could have happened. There's all sorts of fantastic places to stop along the way on a walk. You're not at one of those places. Whether it's a new beginning or whether you're dreaming, you've got dreams and thoughts, oh man, it's going to be good. Whether it's past victories, those aren't good places to stop. I encourage you today, pick up your cloak, remember what the Lord asks us to do, strike the Jordan River and expect it to divide. Elisha then went on and had an incredible, incredible ministry with the Lord. And then he died. And somebody, somebody somewhere said, where is the God of that great man? And God of that great man joined with that next man, and they took their place in their time in history, and now the time is ours. Pastor Dan, would you close us up in prayer?